Here's a question for you to ponder, my friend. Just what is a happy place? Do I really need a happy place? And does having a happy place really help me to cope with cancer? Our guest today, Howard Brown, will help us answer these questions and more on this episode of the Cancer and Comedy Podcast. So listen on, my friend. Listen on. Cancer got you down? Pretty grim, huh? How about a show that turns the grim into a grin? Way to go. You made it here to the Cancer and Comedy Podcast, the show to lift you up with hope and humor that heals. Hello, Lifter Uppers. I'm Deb Creer, the co-host of Cancer and Comedy, where we like to kick cancer in the butt with stories of healing through hope and humor. It is so awesome that you are here with us today. Now, let me introduce you to the host of Cancer and Comedy, Dr. Brad Miller. Thank you, Deb. Awesome, awesome to be in your delightful presence here uh, today, Deb Creer. From uh, just one of the, uh, brings a light into my life, and a part of you being in my life is you make me feel good, you make me feel happy. You're a part of my happy place, as it were. But uh, tell me, Deb, uh, what is uh, for you uh, a place or a presence or something that kind of makes you happy? What's your happy place? Well, you know, it's one of those things where we have to make sure that we find our happy places, right? Because when we're dealing with cancer diagnosis, it can get, as you said, pretty grim. So I do one of, one of the things that I love to do is kind of unusual. We show dogs, we show beagles, and it is so much fun to go to the shows not for the show part, but for seeing my friends, um, you know, and, and I think that's just my happy place, wherever it is, is spending time with friends and family. You know, it's just, it, it cannot be replaced. And I think we all need to make sure that we make the time to do that. Mm. That's awesome. I, uh, that's, I learned something about you today, Deb. I knew that yeah. you had dogs. I knew that you had mm -hmm. dogs, but I did not know that you uh, showed them and made that a part of your, uh, you know, your social life and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's always fun to have something that you do like that. I, I got a couple, I, I kind of, my happy places is also connected with people and place location. So mm -hmm. my happy people are basically my two granddaughters who mm -hmm. are just wi a wired up a bundle of energy. You know, they are five and two years old mm -hmm. and, uh, they both have birthdays coming up before too long, and they're so jazzed up about their birthdays and about going to school and everything in life. When I'm around them, you really have no choice but to mm -hmm. be happy. You can't dwell on things, <laughs> the bad stuff, too much. And then I also like to do uh, hiking and, long, and walks in the woods and the trails with okay. my wife. And that's kind of the nature thing. I also like mm -hmm. uh, bodies of water, like there's a river mm -hmm. and a lake not too far right. away from where I live. I like to go and just uh, contemplate that a little bit. Those are some of my contemplative things. Mm -hmm. And then the, one other thing I kind of like to do is I do, you know, we're named for a podcast is Cancer and Comedy. And I just like to kind of listen to uh, a comedy podcast and comedy shows and things that make me mm -hmm. just laugh. Something If something can make me laugh out loud... That's a, a cool place mm -hmm. to be. Happy place. It's a good thing, right? It's a good thing. 
It is most definitely a good thing. And our guest today has a very cool, happy place that he goes to. Yeah. Actually, it's something that uh, our guest today, he and I have a little bit in common. That's we're both uh, basketball fanatics. Mm. And there's a huge difference between our guest is he actually played, continues to play basketball. He played basketball Mm -hmm. in college Mm -hmm. and continues to play kind of competitive pickup games along the way. And uh, whereas I like to watch a lot of basketball on television, and uh, when I did play, uh, I averaged two points a year is one of my basic things. I just I managed to somehow throw one in during the year, but uh, we like to watch a lot. His name, our guest today, his name is Howard Brown, and uh, he talks about uh, he has some great struggles in his life with some cancer diagnosis on a couple occasions in his life. And he's had to deal with some you know, stage four cancer, and he has an incredible story to, to tell about that. But one of the things he does share is how he loves to play basketball and some relatively competitive pickup games that he gets involved with. And he uh, calls it you know, just a kind of a place where he can uh, not only unwind and recharge and be physical and that kind of thing, but he can also... Uh, you know, deal with teamwork and camaraderie mm-hmm. and trash talk and some mm-hmm. other stuff that that he just kind of likes uh, to do. Mm-hmm. That's his his uh, his happy place, and uh, mm-hmm. we're looking forward to talking to him about that. But he also has some real the the, the name of his book that he has come he has out that we're going to be talking about here is called Shining Brightly, and he talks about taking his experiences with cancer and to shine a light in the dark places, not only in his own life but uh, certainly to share those with other people. So we're looking forward uh, to having a great conversation with Howard and re- and uh, you and I to talk about it a little bit after we come back on the other side of the interview. Right. You know, he is just so inspirational. And one of the things he talks about is the fact that in his happy place, he feels like things are normal again. Mm. And I think that is so important for all of us. Well, you know, following the interview, you're definitely going to want to stick around for Dr. Brad's bad joke of the day. And of course, our very important faith it or break it segment. And obviously our listener lifter stories. Did you know that you could be part of an upcoming episode of Cancer and Comedy with your uplifting story of hope and humor in kicking cancer in the butt? Just go to voicemail.cancerandcomedy.com and leave us a message. Please, uh, please indeed do that because we like to listen to your stories and we also like to hear great stories. We're a lot about telling great stories here at Cancer and Comedy and to learn those from you. But right now, it's time to hear a great story and great storyteller and our guest, Howard Brown. He's our guest today on Cancer and Comedy. He has a book that's out called Shining Brightly, and his website is by the same name, shiningbrightly.com. A fascinating interview by a a great guy who can add some insights into your life. If you're in a bit of a dark place, He's going to light you up with his book and our talk about Shining Brightly. So it's my pleasure to have as our guest today on Cancer and Comedy, Howard Brown. Our guest today is, is Howard Brown. He is an entrepreneur, but moreover, he's a, stage, a two-time stage four cancer survivor and author of the book we're going to be talking about today, Shining Brightly, and several other works, a speaker a volunteer, a peacemaker, and a health 
care advocate. He has a number of awards in leadership and volunteer work and fundraising. But I want to share with you that he, moreover, he really loves his family, his friends, his colleagues, his alma mater, Babson College. And he plays basketball whenever possible. And he likes to share his time generously. And he delights in connecting people, which is what we're going to do here today, sharing ideas and taking on new challenges. Howard, welcome to uh, our podcast, Cancer and Comedy, to, here today. Brad, I'm so pleased to be here. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited for the show today. Let me add, tell you what I'm excited about. You are a basketball guy, and I'm a basketball guy. And so I want to hear right out of the bat, right, right off the bell, right off the bat. That's a, that's a baseball metaphor for a basketball thing I want to ask you about. But I want to hear your highlight story. What's a highlight for you and basketball? So basketball to me is is like a life uh, skill for me. So I started playing when I was six years old and I haven't stopped. And I, I enjoy the uh, teamwork, the camaraderie, the trash talk. I am a point guard and a point guard is like the field general, the coach on the court. And you have to have vision. You actually have to have chemistry. You have to have the extra hustle. You're basically making sure that you score the two or back then it was only two, but now three points. Sure. And, and then on the defensive side, you got to hold the fort. And I learned so many skills from playing that team sport, met so many friends and really observed coaching. And that helped me basically develop into who I am. It built my toughness. I had to learn like when I wasn't the starter, when the other people playing ahead of me, I had to learn the patience. I had to develop my skills. And I just think it's sports in general really do help shape you. And it has shaped me. And the second thing is that I use it as my happy place. So okay. when things aren't going well, um, even before my health situations, that's the space for me that I create that has a stress-free zone. I am not worried about anything but just getting sweat, playing with the fellas, trying the best I can. And I actually had a, a fairly nice basketball career. I played in high school. I was a Bay State League All-Star. I played Division Three at Connecticut College and, and at Babson College, where I transferred into. And now I just play for the pure joy. It brings me pure joy, and I love the game. And I watch uh, the NBA and the college game uh, and a little bit of the high school game, and I'm like an analyst on TV. So I'm watching for the passing and the pick and roll, and I'm looking for the defensive stops. And That's cool. I love it. I love it, too. My, you were a, little, a lot more accomplished than I was. You, know, you played in high school and college. I just played in like pickup games and church league and YMCA and all that kind of stuff. But I did in some pickup games a few years ago. I used to play every week on a pickup game. I'm a retired pastor. We call it the Fat Preacher League. It was just a bunch of old guys playing ball. But anyhow, I managed to, for three games in a row on a pickup game, hit the winning shot. And for a guy who lacks talent and a slow, wasn't too bad. So that was my highlight. But you mentioned that's your happy place. If you said that you're playing basketball and things like that is your happy place, that also means that you've had some unhappy moments and some dark moments. And I know the kind of the theme of darkness and light and happiness and unhappy is a little bit of theme of what you're talking, what we're talking about here uh, today. So tell us a little bit about some of those, you know, your happy places over here with basketball. Tell us what the, give us a sense of the, uh, this happy place based on your cancer journey. We all understand this, and you as a pastor, I'm sure talked to and preached about this in the in your past about darkness and light. Mm -hmm, uh, we all sure. have it. We all have it within us, and we all walk in darkness, and we all walk in light, and we can choose to do both. I've had lots of little bu speed bumps in, in in my life. Everyone does. I give a motivational talk called "A Look in the Mirror," 
And we look in the mirror and say, what do we see? And a lot of people don't like what they see. They're, they're living in that darkness. And if you live in that darkness too long, bad things can happen. You can be more troubled. You can be more depressed. You can turn to alcohol and drugs. You can turn to be abusive. You cannot talk to your kids. You, you can lose your job. There's lots of bad things can happen when you stay in the darkness a little too long. And, and many people coming out of COVID, loneliness and depression, yes, they're real and they're happening. And we have to help people move from there and be able to use and share their own light. What I have to do is get back up again. And we all get knocked down in life and in business and in family and in health. And the key is to get back up again. And some of that key is on you to build that mental toughness, that resilience, that ability and energy to uh, get yourself back up and, and get out of bed each day and be excited for that day. The other part is that letting others in to help lift you up. Hmm. And I think those are really important things to know that in your time of need, and we all have them, to be able to know where to find that help, ask for that help, and receive that help to lift you up. And I've had so many people in the, with two stage four cancer diagnosis, yeah. very well, differently, 26 years apart, lift me up. But set the context a little bit about the severity of what you went through and also the a usual circumstance, at least in my experience, of having such a long time between your severe bouts of cancer. I, I graduated, you know, Babson College, the number one school for entrepreneurism, and I'm on my way. I worked for NCR Corporation, and as a big company, you went there. That's what you did. You graduated and went to work for them or IBM or Unisys, got into their training program, learned the skills, learned the fundamentals of sales and negotiation and competitive analysis. I'm on my way out to Dayton, Ohio for a big promotion, their headquarters. And I notice a red bump on my cheek for those if, if seeing the video. And it turned out to be, in a long story short, stage four T-cell non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I had blood cancer of my lymphatic system at age 23 and a half. That was the stunner. That was the deer in the headlights moment. And I happened to be diagnosed back in Boston where I grew up. My parents were at my side and we bought a book on cancer. There wasn't the internet or cell phones or computer use. So we, my dad got a book, or I think he went to the library and buy it, but brought a book of cancer. We, we really were coming from a point of absolute no knowledge. And we actually had to learn as we go. And we actually thought I was yeah. going to die. And I potentially at first, they said wow. stage four aggressive cancer, blood cancer of the lymphatic system. They had no idea if they could cure me. And I didn't know what I was faced with. When I heard that, I basically, you start to Basically, not denial was the first thing. I was like, is this really happening? And then lots of fear and lots of different sure. emotion. I'm a young man, at, really at, at the top of his game, graduating and athletic, and everything stopped a screeching halt. I moved back home with mom and dad, and I started yeah. chemotherapy, and nothing was working. Nothing was working. I went to my fifth year reunion, and they all thought hmm. I was dead man walking. And we got one piece of good news, Brad. The piece of good news is that my mom uh, had twins at a young, young age, and my twin sister, CJ Brown Jingris, ended up being an exact bone marrow match called an HLA match. That's Holy a one in 25,000 wow. chance awesome. of being a match. And so that's through the bone marrow registry. Oh. They'll tell you that be the match or gift of life. And one of the things we we're about here is how we look for some moments in the, I sometimes tell it turned the grim into a grin. And you've got these dark moments, but everyone yes. saw something of, a light will pop up. And I think that's part of the theme that you're talking about. That's the one in 25,000 and your twin sister. 
that's pretty cool. More than pretty that, cool. That, that, came <laughs> that is a miracle number one for sure, <laughs> because nothing was working. And uh, I actually got prepped for bone marrow transplant with tons of chemo, full body radiation twice a day. They really rock them, sock them. They hit you up hard. And then they took and extracted yeah. my uh, sister's bone marrow out of her hips on May 24th in the morning and on uh, May 24th in the evening. I received uh, her stem cells in this little bag. My, I call it my bag of life. I took it. <laughs> and this right here is a miracle because wow. in a bone marrow transplant or an organ transplant, you sign paperwork that say it could kill you immediately. Your body would reject it. It could kill you over time, or you could get severe side effects called graft-versus-host disease and have to deal with that. And I got a little bit of graft-versus-host disease, but I'm here today because that worked. So not only is that a grin moment, that's a miracle. A one in 25,000 chance. It's a miracle, Brad. Way to go and yay God to Get your that sister. Amen. That, that, that is awesome. <laughs> so she is my, my wonder twin and she saved my life. And then they set you free. You're yeah. on surveillance and maintenance and they don't really give you the rules. So I call that putting Humpty Dumpty back together again, version one. And I was 135 pounds and bald. I had to rebuild. Okay. And then, so that's your age 23. And you, do you feel like, okay, I got this sucker beat? No, I have to tell you that it took time to put it in the rear view and it never completely goes away. I moved to California and I started to put the pieces of the puzzle back together again, my mental toughness. So I was gaining confidence going from 135 pounds and bald. I was working out. I was going to my happy place because it was California on the beach. And my, my career started to get into a right. rhythm. Again, I was building up my stamina, which I had to do. There's lots of facets to that. Uh, I was socializing a little bit more and I was doing volunteer work. And that's where I met my wife. So I volunteered at the Jewish community. I met my wife in the okay. Jewish community and I was helping others. This became more of an intentionality and a key focus. Things were going good. I got my life back. I was grateful. Helping others' career was blossoming and booming. And I got my jump shot back. All right. <laughs> Swish, right? Swish. Brad, I want to switch and just tell you one thing that I held back that I didn't tell you before I did one day of chemotherapy. I went in for my first day of chemotherapy, and this is nothing but a God moment. I, they told me I'm not doing chemo that day. My liver function was too high. It was dangerous to do chemotherapy. And I was shocked. I was like, oh my God, you told me I have stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. It's very aggressive. They said, we've got to be safe with it. My doctor and friend, Dr. Eric Rubin, he ended up telling me that we're going on a field trip. And he sent me down the road to a cryogenic center. And I had no idea what that was. I said, cryo what? He said, it's a sperm bank. And he goes, wow. I want you to deliver a sample. Now, talking okay. to young people, young onset people about fertility, it happens, but doesn't happen enough. So you were mid-20s at this time. Is that right, age-wise? I was 20. I was actually 23 and oh a half. Okay. And even though that the, there, there was chances that I wasn't going to live, he still said, there's a chance. And he actually sent me to the fertility center. If my liver function was not actually that high and I would have done chemo that day, I would have been infertile uh, due to chemotherapy. And I would have had to look at other sources of surrogacy and, and donor or other uh, adoption and other things, which is fine. But I was, this wasn't even on my radar. So I went, I delivered the sample and I forgot about it, paid the bill every year. But once I got married, and my wife and I, after seven years of marriage, we called for that sperm sample 11 years later. 
And our miracle child, Emily, was born in August of, of 21. Wow. Her birthday is actually coming That's up on insane. Sunday, August 20th. She's uh, going to be 22. And Another light moment, another yay God moment, another joyful moment in the midst of... And what a foresight from your doc. See in your life as a 23-year-old young man who's may not been thinking about procreation at that point. I don't know if you were or not, but anyhow, you... He said, okay, let's get this done. And so that action is really cool, isn't it, that other people are looking out for. You've mentioned how other people have been looking out for you. It's the theme. So so anyways, a healthy baby girl, so blessed to be a, uh, a dad. And um, back to looking in the mirror, I am blessed, grateful, and lucky on a couple of occasions there. I, they are my miracles yes. and how I define them. And we've uh, got to have a, a daughter. And so it's been, it was an amazing experience. So I'm in Silicon Valley. It's, it's crazy hectic in the late 90s and early 2000s. And I'm in the startup game technology. Yes. And I fall off the, the, the bus a little bit because I'm a workaholic. I'm working. My work-life balance is not in sync. And my wife actually gave me that warning to be home for dinner, to be there and be more present mm -hmm. for our daughter. So I learned those lessons. Sometimes I still fall off the bus even now, years later, that I'm a little bit of a workaholic because it's so easy to, with these cell phones and the digital world we live in, to overwork. But I, I give a cautionary reminder to people to put the phone down and go take a walk. I, my twin sister calls me. She says, I'm moving to Michigan. I happened to marry a girl from Michigan. Lisa was from Michigan. And I wanted my daughter, who was age four at that time, to grow up with cousins and family and my in-laws live in Michigan and my mom could come out to, from Boston uh, a lot quicker yeah. and easier uh, and my dad to see the grandkids. My sister had a daughter, six years old and uh, two twins. She had girl boy twins that were four years old. Emily was four and my wife's sister had boys that were four and six. We had instant yeah. family when we moved here to Michigan about 18 years ago. Sure. Great place to raise a family. I'm running my faith-based startups, Planet Jewish and Circle Builder. And everything's going pretty well. And uh, I even told you in the green room that, uh, you know, I had the Vatican as a customer. <laughs> That's awesome, cool. man. Um, that is awesome. And we were giving, you know, giving them, more, you know, very early on digital ways to build their congregations and get their messages sure. out digitally. So I was a early pioneer in that in interfaith and, and religious space, which are the world's largest social networks yes. to build community. And I ended up going in for my 50th colonoscopy, which you're supposed to do. The age screening age is now 45, unless you have symptoms yeah. or family history. I had no family history. And this is really where the unknown of all the chemotherapy and radiation I had 26 years prior, that I was prone to actually another cancer. Okay. Now they're learning about this. Cancer is a very complex jigsaw puzzle. I am one of the oldest living you know, bone marrow transplant patients from that time 33 years ago oh that they know of. Anyways, I had my colonoscopy. My wife is holding my hand. I wake up from anesthesia. I happen to know the gastroenterologist that did the colonoscopy. And he says, I said, is everything okay, doc? He said, no, I found something. And when I find something, it's really bad news. Okay. And it was eight and a half centimeter tumor in my intestine, my large and small intestine called the cecum. And oh my God, lightning struck again. I actually had stage three and then turn the corner a year later, metastatic stage four cancer where it spread to my liver, my uh, stomach linings and uh, my bowel. Uh -huh. And I was back doing chemotherapy. I was back doing multiple surgeries to cut the colon and um, trying clinical trials and looking for a, a Hail Mary because 
again, they told me I had three to six months to live. And that gets your attention again, doesn't it? When they give you that three to six months and all of a sudden you, you lost a bunch of your colon. Yeah. I, I, I was back in the darkness, not the, the, the shadows. I was walking in the deep darkness right. again. Okay. And I had to figure it out. Now, it's a very different time in 2016 when I got diagnosis. It's the digital age. Yes. There's Facebook. There's I'm a dad. I'm married 22 years. I'm not running home to mom and dad. My wife became my primary caregiver. And all I wanted to do, my daughter was a freshman in high school, is see her graduate. I had short goals, make it to graduation, yeah. make it to graduation. And unfortunately, the chemotherapies and the surgeries were not working. But I found some support in these advocacy organizations. One particular one first was called Colon Town. And I got to meet others that were five steps ahead of me, 10 steps ahead of me, 20 steps ahead of me, and years of survival, yes. which gave me hope. And I actually was saying, talk, love talking to these people. They became my cancer whispers, which became my mentors. Mm. And they were mentoring me and guiding me through. Now, having them there was very helpful. And this is where I learned some lessons that I document in my book of actually in my time of need, oh my God, with that digital world, people are offering me prayer from thousands of miles away, sending me books, sending me jokes. The soccer, uh, my daughter's soccer team were bringing us meal train for months. The school was helping us out. People were carpooling Emily to soccer practice. People were just so gracious to us when we needed it. And we didn't have to ask for it, but I also had to learn to ask for help. Yeah. I call those people, I call those people lifter uppers. Absolutely lifter uppers, great term. And so that was that really was what was needed at that time. So one of my biggest lessons was to be able to, if you can't get help, have people find help for you, which many people did for me. And I grew strength from that because I was inspired by that. And it wanted me to get out of bed every day. It wanted me to keep moving forward. It wanted me to be an inspiration to others. And now I do the same thing. I am a cancer whisperer mentor to many others in the cancer world, specifically colorectal cancer. And this is a big time out. Go get screened, right? Yeah. Go get yeah. your mammogram. Go get your prostate checked. Go get your colonoscopy. Go get your cardio. Go to the dentist. This episode of the Cancer and Comedy Podcast was brought to you by the grand opening of the Cancer and Comedy Podcast, which is the Clean Comedy Cancer Benefit live stream. It's happening Saturday, November 4th, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're in the Indianapolis, Indiana area, you could be at the live show, which features Rick Roberts, a nationally known comedian, part of the movie called Mayberry Man, fantastic comedian and a cancer survivor. But for you, our listening audience, you can check it out on a live stream. That's right. We're live streaming this live comedy show with Rick Roberts. You can get it on YouTube and on Facebook. All you do is to connect up there is go to cancerandcomedy.com slash live. And that's how you can be connected to all our live streams and our live stream grand opening of the Cancer and Comedy podcast coming to you on Saturday, November 4th, 2023 from Indianapolis, Indiana. That's Eastern Standard Time. If you're in the area, check us out. Come to the event at cancerandcomedy.com slash events. And if you want to be on the live stream, it's cancerandcomedy.com slash live. We'll see you there at the grand opening of the Cancer and Comedy Podcast.
We heard a few things here about how you went to these dark places, but coming out of the darkness into the light was other people and not always people you knew personally. You had your wife and your daughter and your family as part of it, but other people came out of the woodwork, so to speak, or they came out of the electrons of your computer, so to speak, to support you. And that's such a cool and awesome thing and what a gift we have of the modern age. I also know there's a part of this about Howard where you were, it sounded to me you were a little bit proactive. Even though you're in a dark place, you said, okay, I'm going to do something about this. Tell me a little bit more about some of the actions that you took to say, okay, I'm not going to let this beat me. I'm going to get after. I think one of those was your goal of getting your daughter's graduation, for instance. Listen, there are many days that I was curled up in a ball, yeah. all right? And I was sick as a dog or I, I just had, yeah. I, and But on my good days, I actually got out of bed and I was actually doing some volunteer work in, in the Jewish community in the interface space. And I was meeting people when I could. And most of it was on Zoom. And I also was actually the team manager for my daughter's soccer team, which would take my mind off of things. I got to spend a lot of quality time with my doctor playing nationals soccer. And then I also got contacted by my friend, David Crum, my publisher and editor and my book author. I said, do you want to write a book? And from cancer to COVID, I said, no way. I'm not a writer. Uh, I'm a speaker. There's not a chance. I'll write a book with you if I can interview 158 of the most important people in my life. And he said, wait, we've never done anything like that. It took three years instead of one year. And oh my God, this was so healing, so fun and so educational. I got to interview 158 people and be able to tell those stories and invite people into those Zoom rooms in my book. And how many times do you get to walk back your life from your great-grandmother coming to this country from Lithuania in the um, early uh, 1900s to being able to tell my stories of my youth and my and the lessons learned. Who were these 158 people? I started off with my family. Then I went to my friends. Then I went to my doctors, my camp counselors, and I then see. colleagues at work, and then people that had real influence on my life, my mentors. But all some personal connection with you, is that right? All had to be a personal connection. Oh, you had a yeah, personal gotcha. connection with me. But it was so fascinating. What a great way to spend my time. See, what I'm hearing here is these are some of the actions you took. You set some goals to get to your daughter's graduation. You did volunteer work in Jewish organizations and other things. You worked with your with your, with your your uh, daughter's uh, soccer team. Instead about writing this book, and you didn't just spill your guts, you actively went after the people in your life. Those are profound actions that I think a lot of people can learn from, Howard, that can be encouraging and shine a little light. I, I had found, when I found that Hail Mary, it was a surgery that was a 13 and a half surgery where they cut me open. They cut out all the cancer they could see. And that was alive and dead with microscopic glasses. They poured hot chemotherapy in my pelvis and abdomen. This is March of, of 18. And they spun me around like a rotisserie chicken so that they could kill microcell cancer. Now it doesn't work for everybody. There's a relapse rate, but it, <laughs> it is sounds right bizarre, now. man. It, it sounds is bizarre. bizarre. Yeah. It's called cytoreduction, high pack, hypoentrepreneurial chemotherapy. So far, that has gotten me to no evidence of disease at this time. I got that report on September 20th of 19. I'm heading to my fourth year of, they call it NED now. After five years, they will call it remission. I'm still on surveillance. And I've got a huge moment to share with you, Brad, and I want you to share. And this will air after it happens. I am now, after seven years, got my chemotherapy port that's in my, underneath my uh, clavicle in my chest that goes right to my vena cava. I'm having that removed. Oh, ho, ho. yay. 
That is awesome. And that's a celebration, man. We Here at Cancer Company, we like to talk about these lighter moments, these lifting up moments. And that is certainly one. Just celebrate with you. Yes. Yay, yay, God, way to go. And ha- happiness is there. And that, And I just, in that whole process, let me just reflect with you a little bit about how you mentioned, Howard, how you were involved, that you were active in, in Jewish uh, circles and how you were involved with faith-based entities and that kind type of thing. And now we're talking about having a celebration of getting this port taken out after seven years. How, if at all, is a connection with a higher power or something spiritual, how is that integrated at all in your story here? Is it? And if it is, what are some of the ways it's manifested itself? It absolutely is. Now, I am certainly not an Orthodox Jew. I'm a more Reform liberal Jew, but I'm uh-huh. a community Jew, and I believe in a higher power. And I believe that, that we were put on this earth to walk in the image of God. And how do you do that? It's in the first chapter of my book. My Orthodox grandmother, Bertha Budish, came to this country with nothing. Her brothers were here first and sent for her but she had a trichoma. So she stayed in Europe as a 16 year old uh, for a couple of years to get that to heal and came to this country. As a a young little boy with my twin sister, we would hold her hand and and, uh, walk to do her shopping with her. And she told us three things and they've stuck with me. And this is the faith. She said, there's a word called chesed. It means living a life of kindness. She said, always choose kindness. It's a choice Mm. and you can choose to do it. The second thing she said, was sadaka, which means the justice of giving. And she said, always choose giving. You can choose to be a giver and help others. And then the third is something called tikkun olam. And this is what brings all people together. She said, we are healed. We are here on this earth to heal ourselves, heal others and fix this broken world. So she said, those three tenants you shall take with you and you will live them. I heard you learned from your grandmother three things I heard, kindness, giving, and healing. Yes. That's not a bad way to live, is it? If you just do those three things. I'm reminded that in the Old Testament, there is a past scripture that is important to what I'm working on, and I think it applies here. It's a Proverbs 17, 22, and just says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And so to me, that kind of says about that dark place and the light place. And one of the light places you can go is a cheerful heart. And your grandmother gave you that gift. Thanks be thanks, thanks to her to her. Yeah, it's beautiful. It, it really is. Let's talk for a minute about what has happened now, what's next, and what you're doing for other people. You've written this book and you have some concepts and some things there that you're teaching people. Give us just uh, I'm talking here about the uh, disciplines or the teachings or the thinking that you've learned here to share with others. Tell us a little bit about a couple of the concepts from your book that uh, people may want to apply in their lives. I, I appreciate that. So this, my book is actually an, a book of inspiration. And so the major tenet is uh, living a resilient life, meaning that you can handle the ups and downs and doing that with the best four-letter word called hope. Hope is the fuel that gets you through the really tough times and can lift you out of darkness. I'm going to read a quick passage here, the tenets of the book, because there are three cancer chapters and, and they're tough, but the lessons learned. Each of us has our own special light, which makes us unique. We shine our light more brightly when we share it with others. True resiliency, the kind that's strong enough to overcome trauma or seemingly impossible odds, rests in letting in the light of others. And as our light circles the world, we can illuminate and celebrate our diversity 
together. You've learned these things about resilience, about hope, and certainly we're all about hope here. Hope and healing through hope and, and humor is what we're all about here at Cancer and Comedy. And then uh, how do you take that then, everything you've been about here, and how do you give back? How do you emotionally share this love with other people? Your book's one of them, but you're sharing in, in other ways, aren't you? You're serving. How do you serve? I have to tell you, I'm, I'm, when you become a professional motivational speaker, a podcaster, you actually get to preach. And my message of preaching is yes. all about overcoming ins and inspiration. Okay. And so it doesn't, it, it applies to anyone wherever they are in their life and in their relationships and in their business. And so I use these platforms for goodness. So I want us all to lift up yourself. You have to take care of yourself. Then go lift up others and share your light with others. And then share, be, be joined forces. There's so much negativity in the world. There can be things oh, that, indeed, that I want to live. I want to live with the people that are actually going to join arms together and bring you know, positivity to this life and become, I call it a force multiplier for good and positive change. I still mentor cancer patients. I still volunteer in my community in the interfaith world with Muslims and, and Asians and Hindus because that is culturally rewarding. You live yes. a very broad life. And so those are the things that I do. As I said, I don't just talk the talk, I walk the walk. And I am still putting myself to, back together again, Humpty Dumpty version two. And I try to do that and not just talk it, but live it. But we are working in, prog in progress, you and I both. And I'm a cancer survivor or cancer battler is kind of way I like to look at it. And yeah. you certainly are an inspiration in so many ways. And But to, you know, the name of our podcast here is Cancer and Comedy. Do you have any episodes in your journey that, oh, may, may or may not have been funny like, ha, but they brought a smile to your face where somebody did something that was inspiring to you, or maybe you did something inspiring to someone else that you just had to smile about it in this whole journey. For those that don't know, when you're sitting in the infusion room, other people are with you. My infusions took long hours, sometimes six, seven hours sitting there. And the nurses used to threaten me that if I made them stay later, because they have to stay with you, and the infusion nurses, like caregivers in this world, are angels on this earth. They are sitting there trying to watch you get cured with these chemotherapy drugs, which if anyone else would take them, they're poisons. But so they threatened me and said, Howard, you're buying pizza if we have to stay <laughs> after seven. Uh, Let me just tell you, it happened once. I had to call the Domino's <laughs> pizza and I had to bring in pizza. And they actually couldn't believe I did it. You uh, did it. There I you did go. It. I did it. I, I, I had my cell phone. And all of a sudden, they don't let that person back. But all of a sudden, the other nurses are bringing. You became popular then, didn't you? That, that, they couldn't that's... believe I called their bluff and I did it. And I didn't get out of there till 8 o'clock, but I brought pizza for everybody. But it was a light moment in a tough time. It was just to me to show some gratitude to these uh, people that were actually sitting by your side, if anything were to go wrong or to make you comfortable. I was, uh, we're at a soccer tournament and my buddy Ross and I wandered away. And so everyone's very worried about me because I'm in treatment. Where's Howard? Where's Howard? I didn't have my cell phone. Ross didn't have his. So we went on a walk <laughs> and we just went on a nature walk at, to, off the field. And I got back and I had all the parents and everybody treating me like a five-year-old Everybody's panicking, huh? Okay. Oh my God. Where did you go, young man? You didn't have your cell phone. <laughs> you know, you got lost. I was like, 
I, I am a grown man of about 53 years old, and I just I <laughs> next time you take your cell phone with you, we have to know where you were at all times. So, so you got scolded, a little finger wagging and little scolding, that, that kind but of thing. Was, but it's in a way, it's affirming too, isn't it? It's not like that they cared about your welfare, and that's a good thing. I want to hear one more story from you now, and that happens to be where something you have said or done or written that you know has had an impact on somebody else. I'd like to hear a testimonial type of uh, story. But I want to tell you that uh, when I do speak, people ask me for advice and they actually then call me back. And I've gotten oh, four or five calls this week. Someone just got uh, geoblastoma. Someone just got leukemia. Someone got, and do you have the resources to help them? And I say, yes, I do. And I always accept that. And so when people pull me aside in person and they say, what advice should I give you know, to someone that actually has is really in darkness? And it doesn't have to be cancer. And I tell them three things. I said, one, you actually have to be selfish. Tell them mm. to be selfish in your time of need. Then I actually tell them to be able to accept help in lots of different forms. Accept help. And then the third thing is most important is to be able to um, if you take the focus off yourself, even when you're in your worst of times, if you can help someone else and share your light, it actually helps you. And so those yes. three things are the first things that I tell people when you're walking in the darkness to do. You can't walk in that darkness for too long. It can, it can be a spiraling type of thing. You, take you can day. actually be a downward spiral. That was the word yeah. I was looking for, Brad. Right. So those are the things. Right. So I think I've had a lot of impact showing people. Appreciate that so much. I know that some of our listeners here are being impacted by what you've shared here today, Howard. And his name is Howard Brown. The book is Shining Brightly, uh, the name of the book. But Howard, tell our uh, listeners here, our good folks here, about how they can find out more about you. And I can be found at shiningbrightly.com is the best way. You will learn about my speaking, their samples. You will be able to find my podcast, which is the Shining Brightly Show, all about inspiration. You will find out about my advocacy work in higher education, in cancer, in interfaith communities. And my last line I'll leave you with, Brad, is I'm going to put on my glasses for those that'll see the video or audio. I've got my shining brightly glasses because it's shining so bright today here, Brad, on, <laughs> on a cancer and, and comedy show. And I'll leave you with this. If we shine brightly just a little bit each day for ourselves, for others and our communities, the world will become a better place. Indeed. Our guest today on Cancer and Comedy, Howard Brown from Shining brightly.com. Thank you, Howard, for being our guest today on Cancer and Comedy. Wow. That was so incredible. Howard Brown definitely shines brightly and he's, he helps us do that too. And, you know, there were several things that really highlighted for me. One of the big things was obviously, and we talk about this a lot, the resilience you know, he talked about darkness and light and that they're both going to exist. But the key is to get through the darkness back into the light, back to shining brightly. I also love the fact when he talked about the fact that his wife kind of told him, hey, you know, you're working too hard. You need to spend more time with your family. Put that phone down. Go for that walk. You mentioned at the start, you know, how you like going out to nature not really getting a lot out of it if we're still on our phone the whole time, right? You know, and then the other thing that I really loved about what Howard was saying was how important it is to give back. 
you know, and, and he talked about giving back through his faith, giving back through his speaking, all the various things that he does to help everyone else in his life. And I just thought he was so inspirational. I, uh, I agree with you. I think one of the cool things, uh, Deb, is how he took, you know, really a pretty bad situation, you know, mm-hmm. stage, you know, you know better than I, you mm-hmm. know, stage three and four cancer. It's a bear. It's a bear. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it mm-hmm. can send you to some dark, dark places. Mm-hmm. And he had some of that. He, he, mm-hmm. you know, dealt with some of that reality, that kind of mm-hmm. thing of that. And of course, he also had that circumstance of the mm-hmm. cancers hitting him 23 years apart. Right. And oh. so, uh, you know, he had a lot of things going on with mm-hmm. his life, but how he also was a good listener. And I think the mm-hmm. good listening part mm-hmm. has to do with, you can't shine a light brightly to others unless you've been served yourself in terms of, mm-hmm. um, listening. You know, you mentioned they'd right. listen to his wife, you know, he moved mm-hmm. locations from, uh, from California to Michigan mm-hmm. to be a little more family oriented and things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, do what you got to do, you know, take mm-hmm. some action. And that's what I like to, to hear of people taking action. That's what, mm-hmm. that's what you and I do try to take some action to add some brightness to our lives and the brightness to other people's lives. Mm-hmm. That's what Howard did. And that's what we hope our lifter uppers do to take these uplifting stories to help you deal with some dark places and to apply them uh, to your life. And uh, there's, you know, you can be resilient and be flexible a little bit more so when you have been fulfilled yourself. And he talked about mm-hmm. that kind of some spiritual parts of things mm-hmm. and some act, some volunteerism, some taking some training and some classes about public speaking and then gi- giving back, which he does right now uh, with his uh, speaking and his motivational talks and his book, Shining Brightly, mm-hmm. which we certainly recommend uh, to you and uh, I just I'm thankful to Howard for being on our podcast I'm thankful for our lifter uppers who have some great stories to tell in their own life and it's about being I think the overall theme here is about being a light in the darkness being a light in the darkness Mm -hmm. and uh, because you know cancer and things like that if we let it it can consume us don't you think so we gotta be very very responsible about not letting it do that so Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was absolutely phenomenal. And Howard is truly an, an inspiration. Let's do something fun now, Dr. Brad. It is time for our cancer and comedy segment, Dr. Brad's bad joke of the day. Have you ever noticed how little kids can sometimes talk uh, their mom and, and their dad, but particularly mom, they have to really talk mom into getting something and doing something that they really, really don't necessarily want to do. Heard about two little boys who talked their mom into getting a hamster. And mom said, okay, as long as you can take care of the, of the hamster. And the two little boys were excited and they said, we're going to name our hamster Danny. Two months after getting Danny the hamster, mom had had it. Mom had ended up caring for Danny the hamster and uh, she, yeah, it wasn't working. It wasn't working. She decided that Danny had to find, had to go, had to find a new home for Danny. So she made arrangements really to take Danny back uh, to the pet store they got him from. And so she, she broke the news to the two boys. And at first they took it quite well about Danny, but the, but they did 
have some comments about it. One of the boys uh, said, well, he's been around here a long time. We'll, we'll miss him. And mom agreed. She said, yes, but you know, Danny's just too much work for one person. And, and I, I can't do it. You, you guys aren't helping enough. And the other, the other little boy said, well, maybe if he wouldn't eat so much and, uh, and he wouldn't be so messy, we could keep him. Mom said, no, no, it's time for Danny to go to a new home now. And she went up to the boys. He says, okay, go get his cage. With one voice, the two boys offered up. They said, Danny, Danny, we thought you said daddy. It's now time for one of my favorite portions of our program, Dr. Brad's Faith It or Break It segment. In our Faith It or Break It segment, I want to talk to you about Miracles Over Time. Howard Brown, who's the uh, author of the book Shining Brightly, tells a story about how when he was diagnosed with stage four cancer in his early 20s, about 23, he had to go through some very extensive and brutal chemotherapy. And one time before, just before he was going to go into a particularly um, devastating chemotherapy session, the doctor took him aside and had him go to a different clinic, a clinic that was to freeze his sperm. The doctor said to him, someday you're going to want to make use of this. And indeed, Howard uh, was not married at the time and no real prospects in that regard, but he uh, did do that. He froze his sperm. Many years later, over 10 years later, as a married man and as a person who wanted to have children, they used the frozen sperm to conceive a child who is his daughter now and is one of the delights of his life. A long-term miracle. I experienced something similar in my life. My daughter was born when I was 27 years old. She was six weeks premature and only weighed four pounds. Her life was in the balance in a neonatal unit for over six weeks. But not long ago, she celebrated her birthday and she's now in her mid-30s and she has two children of her own, my own grandchildren, who are the delight of my life. I consider that my own long-term miracle. In the Bible, in the Bible, there was a married couple by the name of Abraham and Sarah. They were faithful to God for many, many years, but they were getting up there in years. In fact, here's what it says about Abraham and Sarah from Genesis 17, verses 16 and 17. God says to Abraham, I will, I will bless her, meaning Sarah, and surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will become the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. And Abraham fell face down. He laughed and he said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? And will Sarah bear a child at age 90? <laughs> so Abraham just had to laugh because of the absurdity of, of it all. He, at age 100, and his wife Sarah at age 90, 
would bear a child, and that child would go on to become you know, the father of all nations in the world. That was a long-term miracle, too, don't you think? All I want to share with you today here on the Faith That Will Break It segment is that miracles can come in all kinds of forms. You may be praying for a miracle that your cancer situation or your a bad situation in life be relieved. And maybe it'll happen that way. I hope that it does. But it's also possible that even if you don't survive the actual cancer itself, or the other bad thing, that there may be some other long-term miracle that may be passed down to a friend, a neighbor, a daughter, a son, a granddaughter, a grandson, or someone else in their life who will know that what you've done right now is miraculous in its own right. For Howard, it was freezing his sperm as a young man so he could have a child later in life, on in life. For me, uh, my uh, daughter came through being a premature uh, and premature birth to give birth herself. That's all pretty cool, isn't it? It has to do with how we approach things. The miracle may not be in our present circumstance, but it may be a miracle over time. And that's our Faith It or Break It segment. It's now time for our Listener Lifter Upper segment. I love hearing the stories from those of you who are listening to our program and sharing with us. And I can't wait to hear today's. Today's Lifter Upper story is from Kim Harner, who will be a guest on an upcoming episode of Cancer and Comedy. My neighbor Nate wandered up to my house one day after Art died, knocked on the door and said, when was the last time the oil was changed in your car? And wow. I was like, I have no, I was like, there's oil in the car? <laughs> um, so, so he said, I'll tell you what, I'm home all day tomorrow, leave the keys in the mailbox, text me, I'll come get it and I'll change it for you. And I said, okay. And y'all, I did not want Nate to help me. I felt like this was, I think there was a month four or five. I felt like I was okay. I wasn't. I felt like I should be able to do this by myself. I couldn't. And so I was very hesitant. But in the morning, I was like, you know what? Just have him do it. He offered. So I called him. I put the keys in the mailbox. He came and grabbed the car. He texted me when he put the car back and put the keys back in the mailbox. The next day, I went out to the car. And it looked very different. And I was like, huh. And I got in and I turned the car on and I start to cry because Nate just didn't have the oil changed in the car. He had had it washed inside and out and mm. he had filled it with gas. Nate didn't do this again. He did it one time. Wow. And in that one gesture, he relieved all this pressure off of me, right? Remembered it. First of all, in the early sure. stages of grief, remembering anything is impossible. So remembering yes. to put gas in the car was impossible. My car was a mess. I had three young children. And I wouldn't, you know, the idea of just changing the oil in the car was just something so far from my brain. And so what this, what this, what this illustrates is it's simple gestures that are so powerful and so easy to do. Well, Lifter Uppers, this brings us to the conclusion of this episode of Cancer and Comedy with Dr. Brad Miller. 
we like to call folks like you who follow Cancer and Comedy Lifter Uppers, or Lifters for short, because Cancer and Comedy is all about telling uplifting stories of people like you who are kicking cancer's butt through healing with hope and humor. You can join those of us who are turning the grim into grins by telling us your uplifting story at voicemail.cancerandcomedy.com. And you can keep up with everything Cancer and Comedy through our Cancer and Comedy Chronicles newsletter. Just go to newsletter.cancerandcomedy.com. Well, that's it for now. Please join us next time on Cancer and Comedy. And if you like what you hear, please pass the podcast on to someone in your life who needs to turn their grim into a grin. For Dr. Brad Miller, I'm Deb Creer, reminding you that a cheerful heart is good medicine. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Cancer and Comedy Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. Make sure you visit our website, cancerandcomedy.com where you can follow the show and get our newsletter. Like what you hear? Then tell a friend about Cancer and Comedy, the show that lifts your spirits with hope and humor that heals. Until next time, keep turning the grim into a grin.